0: This is The Starcoach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode
1: 246. For any of our listeners, if you think that who you were yesterday will work tomorrow, the likelihood of that happening is low. So this is about also doing things differently each year or each few years that's new, fresh, different, unusual to show to people that like fast food restaurants and clothing manufacturers and television networks you're not the same as you were before. I mean, NBC is not the same network as it was 20 years ago, right? Right. It's a completely different place. And that's what I want people to feel, that Ed Everts of 2021 is a more evolved, grown, competent person than he was in 2008.
0: Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It is great to have you here. Today we're going to be sharing a story. My guest is sharing his story, his journey from corporate leadership into leadership coaching and the decisions that he's made along the way to thrive in his own business as a leadership coach and some of the decisions that he made along the way that I think you can learn so much from. We're going to talk about some very specific strategies that he employed in order to grow his business to the place that it is today. So I'll tell you more about that and our guest in just a moment. I do want to sincerely welcome you to the show. And if you have not yet met me, if we are strangers to one another, my name is Meg Rentschler. I am an executive and mentor coach. And through the Star Coach Show, which is coming to you each week, with a different strategy, tool, resource, story, lesson about coaching, about what the process of coaching is, but not just coaching, also leadership. If, in fact, you're a leader listening to this and you're wanting to understand ways to show up differently in your leadership, we have so many shows to focus on that because my passion in leaving my therapy practice over a dozen years ago and entering into the world of executive coaching was to be able to help organizations be healthier places for their employees, healthier emotionally by allowing employees to feel empowered and listened to. And that when we all bring our genius together, the big picture is so much richer. And through that, I have the opportunity to work with new coaches coming up into the profession of coaching, and that just ripples that effect of coaching so much further, whether you are working as a relationship coach, or a executive coach, or a life coach, or any number of different focuses that coaching allows us, you're in the right place to be able to learn more about how other people have created success, how you can build your business, build your skills, and engage in organizations as a coach. That's the information that we have for you. I invite you to to visit starcoachshow.com to see the plethora of shows we have about different things. And One of the things I've learned over the four years of doing this show is that people love to hear other people's stories about how they overcame obstacles. I don't know if you're listening and you're in a corporate job and thinking, gosh, I don't know how much longer I want to do this, but how do I transition into my own business? That's scary. There's you know, no longer the stability of having a corporate job. My guest today is Ed Everts. He is the founder and president of Alexius Leadership Development, which is an organization founded on coaching mid to senior level leaders and their teams in business environments. You will hear Ed's story today as as he talks about his kind of stumble out of corporate into his own business, but how intentional he was with that. And I think you can really gain information about the steps that he took that have created this incredible success for him. Ed has over 25 years of innovative leadership and management experience, and he possesses the ability, and I think you'll hear this in his interview, to build awareness, create it, awareness, and action, and deliver results. I mean, he's just, I so enjoyed my time with him. He's known for his business acumen, his ability to resolve complex human relation issues. He's enthusiastic, accessible, responsive, and an author of two books that will be talked about in the interview. Links will be in the show notes about the lessons he's learned and how he rolled them into two books that have, as we'll talk about in the interview, really helped him with credibility and accessibility for clients learning what he has to share. I just am excited to introduce him to you. And I thank him again for sharing his story with us in this interview format. So I'm not going to make you wait any longer. I'd love for you to meet Ed Everett in our interview. So let's go to the interview. Ed, welcome to the Star Coach Show. I am delighted to spend time with you from all the way across the country today.
1: Thanks, Meg. I am thrilled to be here to chat with you.
0: So we are going to talk about something that I think is becoming more and more of an interest to, to people who, so we both know coaching attracts people from all different walks of life and, and different backgrounds. Yet I hear on a repeated basis, Meg, I'm trying to transition from, I'm going to let go of my corporate job and I want to start. A business, but that's scary, right? Because you've walked that path. We let go of the security of the income that we have and the relationships that we've built, and sort of like being in a corporate environment, you've got a team that you're working with, right? So today, Ed has agreed to share his path with us from corporate America into leadership coaching. And I'm so grateful that you agreed to do that.
1: My pleasure. I hope what we have to share will be of great interest to your listeners.
0: I I believe it will. And let's start sort of a little bit with your background. You were a business leader for a number of years. And I just love to know like, okay, this is what I was doing. And this is where I got this wild hair, a Texas term, a wild hair to kind of, you know what, maybe I'm going to venture into my own business. So share a little bit about that journey.
1: Sure. Yeah, I spent the first part of my career in human resources and primarily in the retail industry. So for those of us up in New England, I worked for a number of key retailers who have long since gone away, and after spending about 15 to 17 years in retailing, I made the decision to transition to a business-to-business services company called Iron Mountain, and Iron Mountain is a large global records management company based in Boston, and I spent about 10 years there, and when I was in retailing, the hours at that point continued to get worse and worse, stores continued to open earlier and earlier and stay open later and later, and be open on Saturdays, and open on Sundays, and open on holidays. And I was starting a new family, and the two were not gelling well together. So I felt I needed a little bit more of a normal corporate life and found an opportunity after really a couple of years of looking at Iron Mountain. And so I spent about 10 years at Iron Mountain and left Iron Mountain in 2008.
0: Okay, so what was it that... Made you think now after Iron Mountain, was that when the coaching, executive coaching began, or was there something else after Iron Mountain?
1: You know, I think there's two ways, Meg, that somebody converts from a corporate career to an independent practice. You know, one is purposeful, where in the tail years of your corporate career, you're starting to believe that you want to work on your own and be your own boss, and you start planting the seeds and building a website all in secret. So that that day that you leave, you jump into something that's already built and already ready to go. Yep. I've got uh, some are,
0: clients who are doing that. So I exactly know what you're talking about. Right.
1: I'm sure, which for my preference is the preferred path. Mine is the less preferred path. And I was actually laid off from Iron Mountain in 2008. And at that time, it was the worst professional day of my career. I loved Iron Mountain. I loved my job. I loved the people I work with. I was fully unanticipating getting laid off and yet got laid off. And so I had nothing prepared. Right. I had no business ideas. I had never anticipated opening my own practice. You know, I was starting from ground zero. So you have those two opposed kind of perspectives, one where you've planned for it and mm-hmm. prepared to step into it, which is what some people might be doing and others that are tossed into it. And Which I, I was...
0: certainly know of those as well. And you were one of those.
1: Sure. And in these days where people can get laid off anytime during the year at any moment, you know, the opportunity to start something on your own may be of greater interest to people than 20 years ago, where it just didn't happen to the same degree. So I left Iron Mountain in June of 2008. I felt uh, that while I worked there and worked hard, to be candid, that I was highly unaccomplished, that we did a lot of stuff, but I don't know if it was meaningful stuff. And I didn't want to keep doing that. You know, I wanted Mm -hmm. to feel accomplished. I wanted to know that my life meant something and I was contributing and that I was helping people and that I could look back on it with pride. And so I quickly decided that, you know, I think now at this point in my life, I was in my mid 40s, that this may be a good time to start my own practice. So it was a new idea. It was a fresh idea. It was uh,
0: a brave idea. I mean, wow, that takes courage.
1: Well, you know, it was brave, but if you think back to 2008, that was also the time of our last kind of quote unquote recession. Right. And it was a hard time to find a job. And Mm -hmm. especially in human resources, because every human resource person who was not working was a coach temporarily, right? So I decided uh, once I left Iron Mountain, and, you know, again, quite honestly, I had a very generous severance package. I had been there 10 years plus vacation. So, you know, I had, I had about a year to figure out what I wanted to do next before my financial situation changed from what it was. And Which I took is that-
0: lovely. I mean, yeah. So I'm sure you were devastated and, and disappointed and yet you were given a bit of a safety vest to be able yeah. to venture.
1: Yes. So, and not everybody has that safety vest. Of course, severance is not a legal requirement. So a company can tell you your job's over, give you your final pay, give you your vacation and say, you know, have a great life. But, you know, fortunately, I worked for a company that even though they made the decision to release me, were generous in respect to severance and vacation and things of that nature. So it was a safety net. And I used that time to explore the one area of human resources that I really loved and that I really thought I did well at, which was coaching. And so in human resources, you know, I was a generalist. And so I was good at a number of things, recruitment, training, employee relations, legal requirements, right? There's all these different aspects for you to know about. I wanted to do something that was singular that I could get really deep in, right? So instead of being good at a bunch of things, I wanted to become an expert in one thing. And so the one thing I chose was coaching leadership development. I started to network with people to find out what the industry is like. How do you charge people? How do you find clients? I mean, I was starting from ground right. zero. And I do think that I'm a classic case study and somebody who left corporate and started a business from zero. Which no- is
0: exactly what we were positive that- so, you know, is this going to resonate with every single one of you? Maybe not, but there are those of you who are in a similar situation as Ed or might still be in corporate and thinking about taking that plunge, whether it's intentional or <laughs> not intentional. And and the fact that you were willing to share yourself as a case study was so I'm so grateful for that because I think it's going to bring wonderful perspective to the audience. So, you're willing to kind of walk through that case study with us?
1: Oh, absolutely. I have uh, no secrets. So
0: (laughs) So you started with the fact that you're at ground zero. I need to gather information. So you started reaching out. How did you make a decision about who to even reach out to or, or how to gather information about coaching?
1: Well, at the time, there was a highly overused word called networking, which was reaching out to people who you worked with, who you knew that could help provide you information, not a job, you know, not a, you know, hey, help me help you type conversation. Mm -hmm. But what do you know about this? Is this something that, you know, anybody can do? You know, how did you start? Are you finding it successful? Right. I wanted to, as you say, information gather to see if this is something that I could do as an independent and start looking for ways that I could both build a business profile of who I was, what I did, how I did it, and then also go out and start doing it. And so there were two areas, Meg, that I had to work on. One was coaching and learning about how to coach, who to coach, uh, you know, what the business models were, et cetera. And then also opening my own business, right? Because whether I was fixing cars or cleaning laundry, it was a business, right? Right. And there's revenue, there's expenses. You know, I had to figure all of that out as well. And I would tell you, not to cut a long story short, but by the end of that summer of 2008, after having spoken with dozens of people, and I always asked everybody I spoke to, you know, thank you so much for your time. This was incredibly helpful. Do you know one or two other people I could speak to who could be similarly helpful? You know, almost everybody said, oh yes, you've got to talk to Meg, right? She will help you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I continued to talk to people and a lot of people I'd never met, but they were all very happy to talk with me. People love talking about themselves. And so by the end of the summer, I was convinced of two things. One, that I could do this. And if I could stick with it, you know, during the downturn of revenue, because now I had to go from zero to something, Mm -hmm. if I could stick with it, there was no reason why I couldn't be successful. And, you know, it's that belief, I believe, Mm -hmm. and I don't know what to call it. I don't know how to describe it. But it was an internal belief that I knew that if I devoted time and energy to this, if I focused on this, if I did a great job, I would be successful doing it.
0: And that mindset, you're so right. I mean, you were like, okay, I've made the decision and it is going to be successful for me. One of the things you obviously decided, you talked a little bit about, I had to build my skill and I had to build my business. So when it came to building your skill. I know that you picked a coaching program somewhere along the way. So that is, I would think, felt sort of under that, okay, I got to build my skill. So what was it about going to a training program that you felt was important on this journey for you?
1: Well, there were two things that drove me to attend a training program, and it's something that I did fairly quickly. One was because, as I mentioned earlier, every HR person at the time who was unemployed was a coach. And so the market was filled with coaches, hundreds and hundreds of coaches. And I wanted to demonstrate to people that this was not a passing fancy for me, that I was not an HR leader in transition. And as, as soon as I got a job, I would call and say, oh, if I can't keep working with you. Bye bye. <laughs> right. I got a job. So I wanted to demonstrate to people that I was committed because this, again, is something I wanted to do and knew would work to this industry. Right. And who else is better at it than someone who's paying to get trained? Right, Right, in respect to learning and trying to be a great coach. Secondly, I was bringing with me, you know, 20 years, you know, 25 years of human resource experience. Fortunately, I have what I consider to be a high degree of empathy. Mm -hmm. And so, from the skill perspective, I was bringing a lot, but I still knew there was a lot about coaching technically that I didn't know. Right, that there were models or ways or rules of things to do or not do. Right. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to go into it innocently thinking like, well, I've been doing HR all these years, I must be good at it. And I wanted to just get that training to ensure that I kind of checked the box that, you know, I wanted to ensure that I either had all the pieces or any of the pieces I needed to add, I'm adding to demonstrate to people that I was fully committed to this transition.
0: Good. I don't know if it happened to you, but I can say from all the hundreds of coaches that I train each year, one of the first things I hear is, Oh, I thought I had been coaching this whole time, but really I was maybe doing a little more of mentor coaching or coach salting, you know, a little bit of consulting, a little bit of, so that just that concept of, oh, this is what coaching is. And then how do I grow my muscles into that? So one of the things that you did to be true to that, I think, and I don't want to go in a direction you don't want to go in, but the whole concept of you became involved in the ICF. Like if I'm going to be a coach and I'm going to be part of this profession, I'm going to get training and I'm going to join the professional organization. I don't know, is that the most logical place to go next, Ed, or is there a different direction you want to go in?
1: No, that's a great direction to go in, Meg. And you know, one of the key mantras that I've had throughout my career is to move beyond networking and stay as visible as possible as I could within my industry and within the markets in which I wanted to generate business. And so the ICF, I quite frankly stumbled across, because again, I was starting from zero. I never even heard of ICF. And I came across this organization called the International Coach Federation of New England. And I said, wow, that sounds like a place where there's (laughs) coaches. And if I'm going to meet coaches, and maybe even meet some of the people I've been talking to, let me do that. So I went to a meeting, I met a ton of coaches. It was a great experience. And so I quickly decided to join the organization, which I did again in an effort to stay visible within the organization, I got on the board and was the VP of Finance for a couple of years, and then was elevated to President of the ICF New England for three years. One year where you're not pres, you're President Elect, mm-hmm. and then you're President, and then you're Past President. Right. So they, hook you, they hook you for three years. Three years. Just to keep that going. But you know, in reality, it was a fantastic experience for me. I would encourage any of the listeners who are looking at coaching or who are coaches to explore their local chapter. You know, every state and region Mm -hmm. has a International Coach Federation chapter. I'm sure there's one, several probably in Texas. Um, We
0: actually are the only state that has four chapters. And we actually have an all Texas retreat each year where we all come together. So it's actually very exciting. But yeah, the International Coaching Federation, because they've just changed their name is is a key place. I joined my ICF chapter as a student. And that was, you know, what, 14 years ago now, love the interaction and the the opportunities that open up through hanging out with other coaches and learning. And some of my business opportunities have come through that.
1: Oh, definitely. So that was that was another reason why it was of interest to me, because I wanted to be as visible as I could, starting from zero within uh, entities that might hire coaches, I didn't know what companies hired coaches, or, uh, you know, and I wanted to build my visibility and ensure that if they needed a coach that I could uh, be that type of person. So there were a number of benefits of joining it. And, yeah, you know, I really fan, you know, loved the experience. And, you know, conversely, if Texas is the only state to have four chapters, the International Coach Federation of New England is the only chapter that represents five states. So,
0: wow. You
1: know, yeah. I think, New England, I think New England could probably fit in Texas. So, <laughs> you know, it was a little bit different.
0: Yeah, a little bit different. My interview with Ed continues in just a moment. Today's show is sponsored by my mentor program. I want to touch base with you and make certain that you're keeping abreast of where you are in your credentialing cycle. If you're an ICF certified coach, you're on a three-year cycle for your credential. And if you're an ACC coach within your three-year cycle, you're required to get 10 hours of mentor coaching. The thing about mentor coaching is that it is an opportunity to build your muscles, to connect around the core competencies and really sharpen your saw. Mentor coaching also counts for core competency training credits for ACC and PCC coaches. So if you are wanting to strengthen your awareness of the updated core competencies, work with other coaches to build your skills and practice coaching along with getting focused coaching individually on your skills and your development please check out the mentor program at starcoachshow.com/mentor would love to work with you we're currently enrolling for both the summer and the fall program and you can get all the information at starcoachshow.com/mentor Now let's get back to our interview. Now there's another just little, this is, this is a little soapbox of Meg's that the audience is used to me getting on my soapbox. But one of the things that I would say is that I noticed different perceptions or different ways that coaches engaged when I first joined the chapter. There's the coaches who have the scarcity mentality, like I'm in competition with everybody in the room. And then coaches that I have the abundance mentality that we're all here together, there's plenty of work to go around for all of us. And I would just encourage all of you if if, as you engage with the International Coaching Federation, if you choose to do that, come with the mentality that there is plenty to go around for all of us that we can all be here to help one another grow and learn and prosper. Because that Because that's true. I truly believe that that's true. And if you're looking at everybody as competition, when you walk in the room, it's a very different energy you give off than if you walk into the room, looking as though everybody is here to help grow and learn and impact the world with coaching. So I'm now getting off my soapbox.
1: Let me just jump on that soapbox with you for a second, because we used to call it coopetition. So it was cooperating With competitors, right? So we Mm -hmm. recognize that we're all potentially clients of the same company. And to your point, there is more work out there than any one coach could ever handle, right? So Mm -hmm. spreading the great news, referring your clients, it'll all come back to you. You have to live in a world of abundance because I do believe the more you give, the more you get. Some of the best engagements I've landed have come through coach referrals, Mm -hmm. colleagues who said, hey, Ed, they're looking for somebody north of Boston, or Ed, they're looking for a male coach, you know, 75% of coaches right now, I think are female. So sometimes they want a male coach. So you know, whatever the criteria might be, you mm-hmm. want to ensure that those people will consider you. And the only way they're going to consider you is if you give more than you get. So good. So I completely agree.
0: So that's so we're on your journey. So far, you have decided that you're going to get trained as a coach. So you've got your program, you're in training, you're going to join your professional organization. So you've joined the ICF New England chapter and then have been part of leadership because they hook you for a while. And then where do we need to go next
1: in your journey? Well, yeah, you know, I've been doing uh, coaching for 14 years. So, you know, as my tenure at ICF ended, you know, my ICF tenure was a piece of my experience. It wasn't the the totality of my experience. Right. So, you know, I was doing it as a way to be visible. I was doing it as a way to help others. You know, I wanted to help manage a very effective organization that helped coaches learn. You know, I called myself. The CEO, but the CEO stood for community, education, and opportunity. So we wanted to create a community of people who could help each other. We wanted to educate them on how to be better at what they did, and we wanted to ensure opportunities came our way. Right. So that was kind of the mantra that I uh, attempted to live. You know, that came to an end, and you know, I kind of moved on. You know, from that experience, mm-hmm. and began to focus on a couple of other areas during my tenure at ICF. I also started to work on my first book, and my first book was called Raise Your Visibility, because I believed that beyond networking, which is one level of activity, there's a bigger level of activity, which is staying as visible as you can in your organization or your industry. And I wanted to share these thoughts and ideas with others because networking was such a overused word, mm-hmm. networking magazines, networking articles, networking webinars, networking events, networking seminar right? It's just constant, constant networking. And while networking is very effective, I'm not diminishing its, uh, its capability. You know, I believed that a, a more impactful perspective was raising your visibility and value. And so, you know, unfortunately, it took me about seven years to write that book because I spent part-time at you know a local Panera you know in the mornings uh, working on it at a time when I didn't have a lot of clients and so I had time to do that but you know that book was published in 2017 and uh, you know it really focuses Meg on how to be more visible within your organization and industry and if you are going to be more visible, you have to show people how you provide value If you are highly visible, and provide no value, you will be forgotten in a heartbeat. And you will be that person who others say, I know Meg, but what does she do?
0: You yeah, know, yeah, that does, Meg. Anyone, does
1: anyone know yes, what she yes. does?
0: Yeah, okay. and That's key. So the couple things I want to highlight there. First of all, maybe it took you longer to write it than you would like, but the reality is it's published and good on you. And we are going to, from that, talk about What is it about being an author that helped you in credibility, visibility, right along with the name of your book, in making this successful transition from corporate America into I'm now a leadership executive coach and author. Let's talk about what what being an author adds to that whole equation.
1: You know, I think when I look back on my beginnings as an author, first off, I had always wanted to write a book, and I tell folks that I probably would have become a leadership coach at some time in my career. You know, unfortunately, it took them kicking me out the door at Iron Mountain to start it. I wish I had started it sooner. You know, if they were going to gonna kick me out the door, I wish they had done it five years earlier because
0: everything happens when it's supposed to.
1: I know, I know, <laughs> and, and it did. It happened at a great time, but you know, I I always wanted to share the ideas that I had with others. And as a person, I can only share them one on one, or if I'm presenting in front of an audience, that provides you a a larger opportunity. But you know, when you publish something, it provides you the opportunity to share your thoughts and ideas with others more broadly. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, and I'm not a, a student of this, so I don't know why, but there's, something about being an author in our culture that instantly elevates you. And again, I don't know why, and you and I could probably theorize about why that is, but you know, people love authors for whatever reason. I think it means that you are an, an expert in that area because you've written about it. And if you've written about it, you must have researched it, right? So it, you know, it just adds a level of competence mm-hmm. to you. And that was something that I thought was important to my ongoing career growth To demonstrate that competence. And so that's why, you know, I wrote the book. And, you know, in the book, Meg, there are seven visibility accelerators. And these are things people need to do in order to be more visible at their organization. These were all things that I thought about during my tenure at Iron Mountain and prior in retailing. And, you know, I just accumulated it all Mm -hmm. and put it together into a book
0: beautiful play and we and I know you have another book and we'll get to that one in just a second. But one of the other things that I so all of you who are listening who are like okay, so you know, there's there's being involved in the organization and there's a way to bring my expertise forward. For Ed it was in a book. One of the other great things about having a book is that it lays it all out. So if you're a speaker or somebody who likes to be able to get out and share one to many on a stage Having your thoughts, whether you've actually published or just having them, you said you have the seven steps. So I could easily see Ed going forward and sharing, okay, here's like a talk around one of those steps. And boy, if you want to know the rest, here here's my book, as well as this is the kind of work that I do with clients. So it it brings all of that book, that resource that you have just helps lay out for people what it's like to work with you. It also gives you great material for a presentation. So all the different things I want all of you to be thinking about in that, you know, as Ed is making this transition, he's building visibility, credibility through these kinds of things that he's bringing forward.
1: And that's absolutely the point, Meg. It's it's about, and this isn't a selfish act, but a need in the industry to build visibility and credibility, because if you expect to be hired, uh, especially outside of your network of people who don't know you personally or professionally, they need to know that you're visible within the industry, right, that you're a known or credible resource and that you've mm-hmm. got that credibility in order to do whatever it is that they need to get done.
0: And that you've got ideas that intrigue them and they're finding those in your book. Right. So that, that's awesome. Now you, you sense, so you said it took seven years to write your first book. And that once again is called visibility, something visibility,
1: uh-huh. raise your visibility, and raise value. your
0: visibility and value and value. Okay. And now you have drive your career. Is there another book between there? Or is that the next
1: book? That's the next book.
0: Okay, tell us about Drive Your Career.
1: So, Raise Your Visibility and Value is really a reflection on my 25 years in corporations and organizations and behaviors that I believe people need to do in order to be more visible and add more value, which is growing in its importance in work environments. In the last 14 years as a leadership coach, I began to notice probably about four years ago that there were certain stories or anecdotes that I would share with people again and again and again. And it it wasn't purposeful, but just based on their situation and whether it's a company president or a supervisor, these stories seem to fit their situation. Mm -hmm. I I had, you know, what I politely call a shower moment at one point where I said, you know, I should like write these stories down. I mean, if they keep coming up repeatedly, no matter who I talk to, and they're the ones who caused me to bring them up, you know, these might be a great content content for a second book. So I started to take note of the stories that I told people on a repeated basis. There turned out to be nine of them. And so Drive Your Career is really a reflection of my nine years, uh, 13 years as a leadership coach, and the clients that I've had during that time reflecting on the stories that we shared to help them ensure that they were driving their career. And my belief is that there are two types of people in the world. There are passengers who are just there and there they are wherever they are and they don't think there's any reason why they got there and they don't know where they're going and they'll hope they'll get promoted, but maybe I won't get promoted. And then there are people who drive their career, who say, you know, Hey, here's where I think I want to go next, or this is of interest to me. How do I get there? And they're driving it more purposefully. And so drive your career has nine stories that tell people, you know, ways to reflect on yourself and others to ensure that you're driving your career and not being a passenger
0: excellent so once again that's a way for ed to have you know at this point you're obviously well into your career and, and uh have completely made that transition from corporate to coaching yet you continue to put your expertise and your your experiences into a a book or into a resource where people know more about you know more about what you can share. And I'm sure you can use that as a resource with the
1: people that you work with. Absolutely. You know, I use my books for a variety of reasons. You know, I never expected to be a million copy bestselling author. I never expected to be on Oprah's book club uh, or on Oprah. But, you know, for presentations, they're great to hand out. I've sent them as gifts to people. I've sent them to prospects to say, hey, I think there's a couple of stories in here that might be of interest to you. Maybe you could read them and we could talk about it, right? So it's a great way, again, to raise your visibility with these audiences because now you can give them something of yours, right? This is a book you've written that has stuff that could be of help to them. If I didn't have that book, you know, I could write it in a memo, but it's just not the same thing.
0: I get that. So, the tools that we've talked about so far, the strategies is joining the professional organization after you've been trained, and then also being an author. Now, we're also going to talk about how you've leveraged your podcast to continue this path of credibility, visibility, firmly owning your place in the coaching world. So, talk about your podcast. Tell us a little bit about, A, what led you into, okay, I'm going to think I'm going to do a podcast. And then what... What sort of went into that
1: for you? Well, you know, if I could pause just for a second, Meg, I just want to observe that all of this, while its goal has been to keep me visible and interactive in my marketplace, is also about evolution. And for any of our listeners, if you think that who you were yesterday will work tomorrow, the likelihood of that happening is low. So this is about also doing things differently each year or each few years. That's new, fresh, different, unusual to show to people that, like fast food restaurants and clothing manufacturers and television networks, you're not the same as you were before. I mean, NBC is not the same network as it was 20 years ago, right? Right. It's a completely different place, and that's what I want people to feel that at Everts of 2021 is a more evolved, grown, competent person than he was in 2008. And so I am a big networker. I am an extrovert by heart. And one of the retailers I worked at 20 years ago was called Leachmere and I met a, a guy at Leachmere and then I left Leachmere and he left Leachmere and we had not seen each other in 20 years. And on various social media platforms, we'd see each other and like each other's posts and whatever. And one day I either to reach out to him or he reached out to me and said, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. It'd be great to catch up. We met, we had a cup of coffee. This is in the summer of 2019. And I asked him what he was doing and he said he was starting a podcast production company where they would take podcasts produced by others or created by others and distribute them. And I said something innocent like, oh, that's so interesting. I've always wanted to do a podcast. And he said, you're in, right? So <laughs> what, would you, what would you want to talk about? And I said, I think I'd want to talk about bravery at work. You know, when I work with the clients that I've worked with for the last 13 years and when I think about my corporate career one behavior that I don't think we do well is being brave with each other in order to help them. I think people think of bravery like conflict and we avoid it because it's hard and it's difficult and we just don't have the time or energy to do it. And so he said, it sounds great. And so I began to think of the the platform I wanted to use. He had some recommendations. So for example, he said, you should keep it briefer, like 20, 22 minutes, you know, based on what we were talking about, you know, right, just right. and move on. You know, some of the things of that nature, there was not a huge technical requirement. I had to get a microphone and a headset. So, I, you know, I went to Best Buy and I bought a microphone and a headset and I have a graphic design artist I work with in my business who produces all, you know, things that I create. And she created the graphic for the podcast. And I had a, that was my graphic design person. I had a social media consultant who also did podcast production. So anyway, it all came together very easily. Mm -hmm. And I just started doing it. So you're, it's, it's called Be Brave at Work? Be Brave at Work.
0: Excellent. And what has that done to show you as being un- unique and, and bringing your expertise to the table and just kind of being in front of people. You just started doing it. How, how new is it?
1: I started it in December of 2019. So, you know, I just recorded my 145th episode. I mean, I laugh when I hear that. I mean, when I first started, if you had told me I would speak to 145 people about bravery at work, I would have said, no way, this is, you know, there's not 145 people who want to talk about it. But I'm now getting people coming to me to be a guest mm-hmm. versus me having to go out and look for them. When I first started, I used my network. I sent a note to my network saying, I'm starting a podcast. If any of you would like to be or know someone who would like to be a guest because I needed activity. I get it. Please let me know. And you will be a guest on the podcast. Well, I got enough responses that got me started. And I was able to get to the next level that, you know, through whatever distribution we had, people noticed it and started to reach in to us to say, hey, so-and-so just wrote a book. So-and-so is a professor, author, right? And this might be a, a great place for them to be able to talk about it. So, so it was originally once a week on Mondays. And we now... Produce a podcast twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays.
0: So good. So, a couple things that uh, you said there that I think are key. That first of all, you didn't just start it. In the world of podcasting, the fact that you've gone more than six episodes is absolutely you know, like makes us in like a two percent or something like that. And the fact that you've gone 145 episodes, like you you're like maybe in the like I said, top two percent or whatever of podcasts. So it is a a podcast that is that gets you in front of people. I completely know that story of like I'm starting it and and who am I gonna get to get on it. And now people are, are reaching out to you. And what would you say doing this now twice weekly podcast, what has it done for you in just the way that you think about what you're bringing forward and your impact?
1: It's been significant, Meg, way more significant than I ever would imagine on a couple of fronts. One, I've met dozens of people whom I never would have met about this topic through networking and connections. Mm -hmm. Some I've reached out to to say, Hey, my name's Ed Everts. I host a podcast called Be Brave at Work. I think your topic and research would be perfect. Would you like to be a guest? Uh, You know, most of them say yes. So we've done that. So I've met just dozens and that's just been personally rewarding. But more importantly, and I guess I'll share with you and your audience, you know, kind of publicly for the first time, you know, I recently decided that I want to be an expert on bravery at work, right? That when you think about bravery and bravery at work, you will think about Ed Everts. So that's not today, but sometime in the near future. My goal is, and my hope is, that when you wanna talk about how to be braver, when you wanna think about ways to be braver, when you wanna overcome the obstacles of bravery, talk to Ed Everts, right? He is that expert. So I think for our listeners, it's also important in your career as you evolve and grow that you find an area of interest that you can really delve deep into And potentially become an expert in. You know, they say Brene Brown is an expert in vulnerability. You know, and there are others who are experts in very particular topics. You know, I want to be an expert in bravery at work.
0: Well, and it's courageous for you to voice that. Like you've just, you've just put a stake in the ground in front of this audience and said, "Watch out! The here I come. This is this is my intention, and I'm laying it out there. I'm not." hiding it or, you know, hopefully someday I'll, no, you just said it loud and proud. So bless you for your bravery in that. And I look forward to following the go-to person in bravery at work, Ed Evers. So right. I appreciate you bringing your journey forward for us and sharing the different choices that you made, how it's, forwarded your work. And as we wrap up our time together, anything that we left on the table that is important to bring forward?
1: Listen, it has been fantastic describing the career path that I've had. I haven't done this in a while. So thank you for helping me remember some wonderful moments and we've covered it all. So great job on your part.
0: So, so good. We're going to have links on how to connect with Ed, but Ed, is there any, any last, like how you want people to reach out or connect with you that you want to share right now?
1: Folks can go to excelius.com. That's E-X-C-E-L-L-I-U-S.com. And all information about Ed Everts is there.
0: Excellent. And like I said, if you're like, what was that? And he said it's going to be in the show notes with the link at it's been a joy to spend time with you thanks for joining the star Coat show thank you meg what i love about doing this show is being able to bring you a variety of different topics and perspectives as we move through skill development, business development, and coaching in organizations. And I think one of the key ways to do that is to help you hear from people who have successfully built businesses on what they did to get there. And that's exactly what Ed's story did today. So if you'd like to know more about Ed and Alexius leadership development, Be sure to check out the show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 246. That's starcoachshow.com slash 246, where you can get links to his website, to the books that he's written, and be able to stay in touch with him. I'm so grateful to Ed for sharing his story today. Be sure to come back to the show next week as we're going to be talking about another unique perspective in something called human design. My guest is Erin Claire Jones. She is practitioner of human design. She's going to be talking to us about what that is and how we can use that with our clients. She's kind of using me as a guinea pig in there. So super interesting. And I invite you back. I hope that you join us again next week to learn more about that concept. Remember that I Visit with all of you and answer your questions and bring something forward, all coaching related, in my Facebook Lives on Wednesday and Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Central on the Star Coach Facebook page. Until next week, I wish you the very best for everything that you're putting into the world and for your coaching success. This is Meg Renschler. Have an awesome week.